Well, welcome everyone to episode 12 of the Sacrificial Succession podcast. I'm Wes Leek from Business Blessings and we've got Paul Rattray with us again. Welcome. Good morning, Wes. Yeah, thank you. I'm really enjoying our time and learning a lot together and this is causing me to have lots of conversations with people about succession in, in some of my daily uh, conversations with people. But this week we're talking about paradigm shift. And the scripture you've got is 2 Corinthians 5.17. Anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and a new life has begun. And this is really about seeing a new life come to being in organizations as they step into the succession as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and obviously, you know, here Paul's talking um, you know, primarily about a spiritual paradigm shift which, um, you know, we tend to call a conversion. Um, but it's interesting that uh, this isn't just a spiritual principle, but it's actually, you know, a secular and scientific one. It, uh, I dare say that a lot of organizations actually need to go through a conversion experience to doing it. And it's, but it's very hard to do away with the old and allow the new to come when you're stuck in a certain way of thinking as well. And this is the way it's done. This is what others have done. Why should we be doing it any differently to them? It, it can cause problems. Well, it's, yeah, it's often even, I think, more sort of difficult to see than that in the sense that it's um, uh, people don't even uh, think about the possibility so it doesn't even enter their minds uh you know so it's not an option where people think well it's a possible option but um we don't think that it's going to work for us right now it's not even considered an option yeah yeah well let's talk about what is a paradigm shift <laughs> yeah it well, it's, it's interesting i mean we've already talked about a conversion but it's interesting that it's actually a scientist who came up with the term paradigm shift. His name's Thomas J. Kuhn. Um, and he was talking about it in a book that's called The Structure of Scientific Revolutions. And what he called the conditions for a radical change are normally brought about by a crisis that challenges the normal way we do things, which is what he calls a paradigm. A paradigm is a normal way that we do things and we don't consider any other way. And he says a conversion or a shift from an old paradigm to a new one then provides the right conditions for a paradigm shift. But it's really interesting what he says is that um, you have to reject, is the term he uses, you have to reject an old paradigm to actually accept the new. So it's not a matter of, it's not like a transition from one to the other a conversion is rejecting the old self in, in as christians and accepting the new self in christ um, it's not a transition of course it is a transition over time that we grow to maturity but a conversion is a radical paradigm shift and the same is required, we've seen in all of our projects, if people are actually going to implement and apply sacrificial succession in such a way that it brings about the changes we're talking about, 
they really do have to have a paradigm shift. As you know, Junior, who we've talked to, has said, he said, you've got to take a step of faith and and just accept that these principles, these timeless, eternal principles that we've talked about will work, as he said, even though you probably don't think they will because you've never actually considered them before. And is that part of the issue here is that people, like we're stuck in one way of doing things because, you know, we've, we've seen this is the way the church has done it. This is the way that uh, um, management theory talks about it. But so now you're coming across and saying, hey, but let's look at this very differently. And and like the other thing is that often, um, and I think you've got to hear, you said a paradigm shift often occurs following a crisis because existing answers don't solve the problem. Yeah. And, which is like this came about because you guys had a crisis um, and you had to you had to come up with a solution and God downloaded it and look look at the results of that. But yeah, often, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Whereas, I mean, um, like we've talked about, you know, I researched this. I did a doctorate. Yeah that looked at succession as part of the field that I was studying, which was, you know, assessing conflict uh, in multinational corporations, uh, local conflicts in particular, and how people feed back uh, information and, and, in, and intelligence. Um, so I'd, I was well aware of some of the um, you know, principles of succession planning and all that sort of stuff. But I never really considered any of this until we faced the crisis um, in East Timor, where potentially we were going to lose everything if we didn't find locals who could take over from us and prepare them. Sometimes we uh, get all upset about crises and God remove this crisis from me, but actually <laughs> he does. And we were talking before we came on about being focusing on Isaiah 43 this week. Like we are going to go through these things and, and God doesn't say he's going to remove those things from us, but he says, I'll be with you. I will walk with you. I will give you answers. I'll give you solutions to yep. these things. As I'll you never leave you nor forsake you, but, I guess the question I often have when I read, you know, say like Isaiah that we talked about, uh, would would he have written what he wrote if he hadn't gone through the crisis that he went through? Yes. Um, you know, and Thomas J. Kern says, crisis simultaneously loosens the stereotypes and provides the incremental data necessary for a fundamental paradigm shift so you know we've often we talked there about um order and chaos when we when we make we're willing to take this step of faith oftentimes within that chaos itself is actually the order that is provided or that what he says here scientifically you know the incremental data necessary for a fundamental paradigm shift and yet very few of us are willing to take that step of faith um, to actually, you know, challenge, if you like, the possibility that this is true. As Junior said, you have to take a step of faith. To do that. So 
I, I want to say something here, and it's related to one of the paragraphs you've written here, Paul, is if you think about some, particularly say you've got a pioneer uh, who started a new organization, maybe as a young man or young woman, they've grown it, they went through a lot of adversity, they struggled financially, they uh, had opposition, all this kind of stuff, but they were, but they persevered through all that and built quite a significant organization. Now they're at the so now they're at the stage of saying, okay, hang on a minute. I, I, I want to have some reward for my labors. You know, can't I just sit here and enjoy this for just this, you know, little season about doing this before I have to, and you're asking me to pass it on to someone who maybe I don't know that well, maybe who who's not going to go through all those times because. You know, hey, look, we've established our donor base, we've established our networks, we've got all this in place, we've got the buildings, we've got this, we've got that. And now you want me to hand it over to someone who hasn't fought all that way for me, like I have had to do to get there. That's what being sacrificial is, Wes. That's exactly yeah. right. You know, if John the Baptist had thought that about Jesus, then he would have never handed over. Yeah. If Peter had decided, you know what? I'm the one that's put in the hard yards here. And then this guy, Paul's coming along and there's a good chance that he could outshine me, which I think he did ultimately in terms of mission and the Gentiles. Absolutely. But that was with Peter's agreement, by the way. Yeah. So yes, absolutely. That's what sacrifice is all about. But I suggest that the greatest joy that you will have is in seeing your successors doing something great. You just talked about your, um, your boys um, and doing something successfully. Um, I don't think you're worrying too much about how much you've invested in them because you're proud of seeing what yeah. they've done. But yeah. yes, it is a sacrifice. And I, and I think, you know, one of our founder, uh, Lord Robert Edmiston says something interesting about organizations. He says it quite often, actually. You know, he says, um, Is the organization intending to die because it wants to grow? You know, as a grain of wheat falls into the ground, that's how you multiply. Or does it want to finish? There are some organizations that should finish with their founders. Um, and this is the question that we ask our partners and the people who are working with us in all of our projects that we run is, how do you want this to end? Because if you don't want it to continue and you want the project to end, then you should put the steps into place now for that to occur in an organized and non-chaotic manner. Um, but if you want it to continue, uh, then you need to have offspring, successors. Uh, that's all very well. If you don't want to have offspring and you want your enterprise or organization or initiative to end with you, that may be in some cases a good thing. Because sometimes, you know, organizations morph into something else that they shouldn't because they're you know, as you were saying, everything's up to date. We've got all the finances, but what we find is actually we've fulfilled our mission. Yeah. 
what we're now trying to do is maintain what should not be maintained and should be allowed to die so something else can grow. That's fine if that's the purpose. But if it's not, then we need to have this paradigm shift so that we can see the potential in our successors, despite the fact, yes, we will sacrifice. I can assure you um, that this is not about servantship. It's not about continuing to serve. And it's a really important distinction because a servant as a rule does not intend to take over from their master. You know, that's exactly why Jesus said to his disciples, I no longer call you servants. I call you my friends. Why? Because you're going to be my successors. You're going to take over and do even greater things than me. A servant, that's their job. They need to be comfortable with it and they need to continue that until essentially they die. That's the job of a servant. And so many wonderful leaders do that instead of seeing that they need to be preparing friends, not servants. So Paul, this is a very, I'm going to say the word subtle difference, but it's actually a huge difference, isn't it? Because servant leadership, and I know you've got a bit of a beef about this, but it's true. And, and understandably is servant leadership has been pushed and pushed and pushed, but, but Jesus did take it that next stage, didn't he? He, he transferred them from servants to friends, which means they could take over. And absolutely. Was there. Yeah, absolutely. And he talks about that in, 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 a, in a process. So uh, in this passage, you know, that's my real aha passage, Matthew chapter 20, in verse 28, after explaining to his disciples, because the issue was, who's going to be the greatest, who's going to take over. He explains to them, there are two types of service. One is to serve um, as a servant. And the other one, which is um, uh, doulos. The other one is diakonos, to serve through your leadership, through your position. But he says, you don't just do that because the son of man came to do that, even as the son of man or just as the son of man, you, he also came to sacrifice his life as a ransom for many. He was saying, you're even meant to do that. Obviously, he's not talking there about a spiritual sacrifice no. to the disciples, I mean. He's yeah. saying, you at some point are not just to serve. You also must consider a the sacrifice yes and if all of our leaders in country where we've worked had decided to serve and until the end um then we wouldn't have the successes that yes. have you know um come about being developed being helped being guided they've needed that time um but we wouldn't have had it if we hadn't decided to do it and change the paradigm of what that looks like so it's, um, that's brilliant. And it does, it does take a huge mindset change for particularly if someone has been a founder or someone has been in, in the organization a long time to make that change and that transition. 
and particularly if they have not seen it um, exampled, you know, examples of that in other places uh, as well to walk through and what, what does that look like? And, and I know we're unpacking that, but some would say slowly, but, but it is actually um, one of the things that as I've been reflecting on this is you really need the spirit of God to be guiding you and leading you through this process, the whole step of the way, which is what happened to you, Paul, as you, you know, went through the situation in East Timor and you're going through in other situations is you're seeing this, these are the principles, but it's also God guide us as to who are the ones that you're calling, who are the ones we put input into um, and who are the ones we don't, you know, as well, which is just as important in that. Absolutely. Sense. You know, and, and just to, to, to be clear, I mean, we've talked about this, but none of this happened overnight. No. Um, first of all, this was a revelation. You know, I, I, I learned this, I'm learning this, I continue to learn, but it's about recognizing that if we don't do something and we don't do it in a systematic organized and planned way, then something will happen anyway. Like, you know, I think this is what people often, often don't, you know, people don't sort of in a sense realize or recognize their own mortality. And that is, well, we'll just see how things go or we'll keep on going. And hopefully when things do fall over, we'll find a replacement. This is actually planning to make sure that we have the people that we know we can trust when the time comes for us to hand over so that we're not handing over in a chaotic situation when some of the issues that you're talking about actually occur, yeah. you know, because we've not been ready mm. to hand over. We've not prepared people that yeah. we can trust. We don't know whether the guy that we got on iSeq or from a recommendation from another church or from another business, we don't know if we can trust them because we haven't spent the time getting to know that person yeah. over a period of time. If you look at Jesus and you look at Paul in particular as examples, they spent time with their disciples. Yeah. They spent lots of time together. So they got to know them. You see, the scripture that's coming to mind at the moment, Paul, is um, a righteous man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. So obviously that's talking about like a family situation, but it's also talking about leadership in organisations. Like to plan, because it's not only just about the next, like your, say if you're the CEO, your transition, but it's you're setting the, um, the thing in train for not only the next one, but the one after that and the one after that and the one after that, um, because you're changing the, the paradigm of the organization, the, the culture of the organization. This is what we do as organizations. And we bring yeah. it back. Yeah, well, that's, we'll get to that principle um, a, a little bit later on, but that's where, and we've, we've touched on it, but you know, the, the triune nature of God even though it's a humongous theological concept. I've found this very helpful just to sort of ground me in thinking about this. I know God is not bound by time, but thinking about this generationally, you know, Jesus said to his disciples, as the father sent me, 
so I am sending you. Yeah. Um, when I return to the Father, don't worry, I won't leave you as orphans. My Holy Spirit will come to guide, remind, and teach. If you look at this time-bounded in terms of us as, as humans, um, what we see are three generations. And this is really important, really critical. You know, the, the generation who sends, who authorizes to say, go, I'm authorizing you to do this. And then the one who goes and does what they've been told to do and then passes that over, hands that on to um, that next generation. We're talking there about very clearly, and as the Apostle Paul does to Timothy, you know, he models that or mirrors that by saying to Timothy, everything that I've um, taught you, please pass that on to those who are qualified, who will pass it on to others. That's what we need um, to have. We need to have three generations of uh, people involved. And so um, if we don't have those structures in place, then it's much more difficult for us to get that um, to happen. So Paul, we've been talking about moving from servant leadership to sacrificial succession. And part of this, you talk about the biblical concept, if it, is it called materia? Yeah, materia, yeah. Materia. Yes. Yeah, it, it's interesting because um, what it literally means in terms of how it was used in the Bible actually has nothing to do with dying for your faith in terms of its meaning. Yes. As in, it means to be a witness or to provide testimony. But the reason that martyr, as it is in English, or martyrdom, um, has been so closely associated with sacrifice in Christianity is because the early church and later on into the Middle Ages, they were willing to you know, bear that testimony about Christ, be the witness um, unto death. And that's why the word became associated with that. And so it's just interesting, um, you know, when I was researching uh, some of this uh, is that, um, you know, sometimes we, we understand something to mean something that something is not by association. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in, in this research here, what uh, this guy, his name's Jack Neewald, was looking at it. He, he titled it Beyond Servant Leadership. In other words, what caused the early church to go beyond servant leadership to have this martyr or martyria associated with their witness was their willingness to sacrifice, pay the ultimate sacrifice. Um, we're not talking about paying the ultimate sacrifice in terms of giving up your life, but we are talking about being willing to pay the price to go beyond being a servant to that willingness to sacrifice your leadership and some of what you talked about, 
some of maybe what we perceive as the benefits of success by being willing to share those with others. But certainly from my experience anyway, when I've seen this happen and been involved in this myself, um, all I can say is that it has been extremely rewarding to see that next generation and the next strong moving forward, not perfect, there's failures, there are Judases, we'll come to that, but just seeing people that everybody expected to fail succeeding, to me anyway, um, has certainly been one of the greatest joys of being able to apply this paradigm and really have this paradigm shift as part of my life as well. That's great, Paul. And I think, you know, as, as we bring this to a close, I'm thinking about the leader who's been in there a long time. Like sometimes you just like the, it's not that you lose hope, it's that you're excited about what's going on, but it's like, hang on, now I've got to do this other big thing. I've got to step out in faith again, got to move forward again, see something change again. But this time it's, it's my whole life's work. But actually, it's, it's your work with God you know, in doing that. And the, the long run is going to be seeing that carry on for future generations to come, something that quite potentially may not happen if you don't get the succession right. Absolutely. And, you know, at the end of the day, I guess it's to go back and say, um, yes, it requires a sacrifice and some of those sacrifices can be tough. But um, what if some of the people that we've just talked about, like Jesus, most importantly, was unwilling to sacrifice, where would we be? But people like Paul, people like Peter, if they'd been unwilling to sacrifice and decided, well, and John, um, no, sorry, uh, I'm going to hold on to everything here. I'm not going to let any of it go. Um, I don't know. Where would we be today? We, we know exactly where we'd be without the sacrifice of Christ spiritually, but we can also look at it practically in terms of leadership about where things might be today if that hadn't happened and they hadn't been the great example to us of what a paradigm shift looks like. Yeah, that's great. Excellent. Paul, I'm going to ask you to do something we haven't done in a podcast at the end. Can you pray for that person who's listening sure. to this right now? Because it is, it's a huge mental thing. It's a heart thing. It's a life change that they, it's kind of like this invitation Jesus is offering them. Come, it's not even just one more time because there'll be more times after this, but come, let's journey together on this and see, see what I can do again. Yeah, sure, Wes. Yeah. And for myself too, you know, I'm still learning. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's uh, close in prayer. Yeah, Lord, we, we thank you because you're the best example through the Father and through the Son and the Holy Spirit of what a sacrificial succession looks like. Lord, we just want to be more like that in our leadership in the organizations that we run or manage or founded. Lord, we want to be able to see 
good and faithful servants. And Lord, that's not going to happen if someone is not willing to hand over leadership so that the next generation and the next generation can go forth and do greater things than we uh, could even imagine. Just as you promised your disciples, that promise is also made to us. And so we thank you for the model that we have. We thank you for the great cloud of witnesses that uh, we can see in your word who did that. And I just pray, Lord, that we would be willing with your help to make the paradigm shift needed so that we would also be willing to uh, implement a sacrificial succession in our lives, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks so much, Paul. Well, don't Thanks, forget, if you haven't as yet downloaded uh, Paul's book, go to sacrificialsuccession.com. And you can do that there for free. Bless you, Paul. You just might notice, yeah, thanks, Wes, um, that um, actually in our session, those who are eagle-eyed would have noticed that there was a bit of a paradigm shift <laughs> yeah. uh, in, our, um, in our podcast as well. So perhaps that was symbolic of um, what we were doing. <laughs> yes, yeah, that's a, that's a good point to end on. Thank you. Thank you.